0: Do you hear people today saying, I'm blessed, I'm blessed? It's just to become a common thing. Everybody's blessed. Now I understand, yes, I'm blessed just to get up. But to really see God bless you in your life is an amazing thing. Some people who tell me they're blessed, I say in my mind, Lord, don't give me those blessings. Because I know my God can do much better (laughs) than that. Blessing is something that comes off of also a magical type word. Because it's something that takes place beyond your own ability is something that where God has to really intervene and God has to really do. And you're able to say, I've been blessed by the Lord. Now, the key to being blessed is obedience. God's blessing ...follows obedience. God's blessing follows obedience. It's strange that in the Christian world, we get a lot of things mixed up. Grace, mercy, and blessings. We just run them all together. Yes, they are close... God's grace is just his unmerited favor that rests upon us and we don't deserve it. God's mercy is giving us a lesser punishment than what we deserve. God's blessing is God interacting in our lives that we might achieve something or go beyond what we are capable of performing in and of ourselves. That God bless you with all that you have need of to accomplish a certain goal or task. a life that I wonder why are they in so much trouble? It seems like they're a magnet to trouble. Trouble just find them. And they can never get ahead. They can never achieve. They can never accomplish what they are desiring to accomplish. And yet, Many of them, if you ask them, oh, I believe. But what you don't believe is this, is that God can intervene into your life and cause you to live a blessed life. You have to take life on yourself. You have to take life on within your own reasoning and understanding of it. You have to make all your own decisions and live by them rather than trusting God and leaning not on your own understanding, but allowing Him to direct your path and lead you makes a world of a difference of a type of life you will have. Now, blessing is both a process of endowing and a condition of being endowed. And we have to understand that it's a process and it's a a condition. And you have to be willing to work on the process. The process is working on your obedience, on our obedience unto God. If I can't trust God in the small things, I certainly can't trust him in the big things. And God begins to work in us in the small things to see how we're going to respond. Do you really give everything over to God? Or you just say to God, God, you take care of them big things that I can't handle. And then we have an excuse. If it don't work out, we can simply say, well, God didn't want me to have it. God didn't want me to do it. Blessed is favorably spoken of or praised. That's where we get our word eulogy from. It's to speak in a manner of praising someone's life. It is to speak words of kindness of someone's life. It is praising them for the life that they have lived. Number two, the word bless is to make happy. And catch this now free from the cares of this world and the worries of this world and the troubles of this world. is to make happy. Those are the two meanings basically of the word bless in Old Testament and New Testament. To be favorably spoken of and that's where you would find in Proverbs also that a good name is far better than riches and wealth. Hey. And then to just make one happy in this life. It would go along with what the Lord says that he's come that you may have life and have it what? Abundantly. Many people see really no reason today for the church to exist as the church. A lot of people would be very well satisfied if the church was just a big country club. We would load the church up if we had a, a golf thing right out in the back that as soon as service was over, everybody go hit the ball. Or we could jump in the swimming pool. Or we could go to the tennis court. And all them things by themselves, there's nothing really bad about those things. But in the church, it seemed like there are so many things competing against God's word. To shut God's word down, and that should be the major reason in which you come to church. You don't come to church to find a girlfriend, boyfriend, or wife. Don't forget, the devil goes to church, and you don't want to take him back home with you. But many men today are absent from church because they don't understand the blessing that comes through obedience. And it's sad to say, many men cannot answer their children. Or their wives, that they asked them a biblical question. Couldn't take them to Scripture and show them the evidence of what Scripture says. An opinion is exactly that; it's an opinion, and everybody has one. But fact is fact. Biblical truth is facts, and we're lacking that. And we wonder why, generation after generation after generation, it seems like it's worse rather than better because the head of the home is not in the position that they should be that can bless what? Generation after generation after generation. People assume that the church is there just to rob the pockets of old ladies and ignorant individuals and weak-minded people. The church is a place where you should come to be happy because of what you're learning. Not just come to be happy. And a lot of us, if we go to church and we don't leave feeling happy, we, we don't go back there. But our, ha- our happiness depends on how well entertained we are. It's not based on what we might learn, what might be added to our lives, what challenges we might face. It's based on, boy, how I feel. Do I feel happy? Or do you feel that your mind has been challenged and that you have to go search something out. Never accept, you heard Melvin say it today, essentially, never accept what he says or Pastor Brown says. Be the Berean. Go search it out. I'm going to give you a secret. Pastors lie. All don't tell the truth. The church is a place where you should come to be happy. Have a good time. But this is the real concreteness of it a meaningful time. A meaningful time. When you go to school, boy, it's a joy to go. A lot of kids have missed the classroom. They miss the socialization. They miss the fun that they do have and the friends they do have. But the main purpose of going to school is to what? To learn and be educated. The main purpose for coming to church is to learn and be educated In the things of the Lord, that you might be blessed. That you might be blessed. For many, the church is meaningless. It really has no purpose. It's one of those things that stand in the way. And today, if people could just do away with church, church would be done away with. The church's purpose or intent is to express the understanding of the two conditions of living a blessed life. The church is a teaching instrument of God. That it may teach his people. That he might meet with his people, teach his people touch his people and that his people have a clear view and understanding of who he is. Remove the church and you remove the ability to learn how to live a happy life an abundant life a Christ life that God intended. For the believer to live And God intended you to live an abundant life. A joyful life. A happy life. Not depending on what the world gives you but what God does in your life. Many live life and catch this. Not the way God intended. How many of you see people who will tell you they are Christian, but they live totally outside of the boundaries of scripture. And that ought to speak to us that that person does not know the same salvation that you know. That person doesn't know the same God that you know. The same spirit that's working in you is not working where? In them. Because God does have a life that is different from the world. For us, the church facilitates or it makes possible a growing relationship. In which blessings flow from God to individuals who walk uprightly with Jesus. The church helps you to walk rightly with God. The church helps you to learn how to behave in such a manner that is becoming of a Christian woman or man. The church, the church isn't there just to Bounce on you. But that saying is true. When somebody doesn't know better. They don't do better. But when somebody knows better. And they're educated in it. They do better. They do better. And that's the purpose of the church. Is to educate about the life that God intends for his people that they might do better than those of the world and those of the world will see the type of life in which we live that will provoke them to jealousy that they will come and ask how is that possible? How is that possible? How is that possible? And your answer will simply be through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Now what we miss in this is this. The reason God blesses you or blesses me is not to make life more comfortable for either one of us. The reason God bless us is that he might show us off. Why? For his workmanship. You are not blessed just to be made comfortable. You are blessed in order that God may show his workmanship. That you're his work. Your life is his work. Your life is what he has built. Your life is what he's put together. Your life is what he's made possible. Your life is what God has done by opening doors for you. And we call them blessings. We call them blessings, which they are. But it's also a work that God does that people might see what he has done in our lives in a very personal way. And in Ephesians 2, he says, we are his workmanship. He's the one who forms us. He's the one who builds us. He's the one who puts us together. He's the one who makes it possible. He's the one who gives me the ability to stay with something and work at something and build something. He's the one. He does it. Not me. We are all his workmanship. And because we're his workmanship, we're blessed. And we need to understand that. We're blessed because we are his workmanship. And whenever God interacts in your life, you're blessed. You're blessed because you don't deserve it. But God works in your life that he might be seen. Now I have a Bible around here somewhere. I better get it out of my case because we're going to use it a little bit. Why don't you go to Psalms 119. And we need to understand that I'm not just blessed because God just wants to pour out Blessings. God blesses us again because we're his workmanship that he wants other people to see what he's doing in our lives. So in Psalms 119, start with verses verse 1 and going through verse 6, he says, blessed are they whose ways are blameless whose ways are blameless. Now he's going to tell us how we're going to be blessed. Now, one of the questions I want to propose to you is this. Is your life blameless? It can be. By just being obedient to God. Just being obedient to God. Now that doesn't mean we will be obedient all the time. But it should be most of the time. Pastor Brown struggles with that area of obedience also. We all do. As I shared, when you first come to the Lord, obedience might be 20%, 30%. But as you grow in the Lord, obedience should become more and more part of your life. Therefore, you're seeing yourself going from the 30%, maybe to the 50%. From the 50%, maybe to the 70, 75%. From the 70, 75% to the 90%. To the 90% to the 95%. From the 95% to the 99999 because... I don't think any of us will ever be totally obedient until we see him face to face and we're in heaven with him. But it should be a growing. That's the process. Learning to be obedient in order that I can be blessed. And he says, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless. Now, listen how the ways become blameless. Who walk according to the law or to the word of God. Who walk, how? According to the law or the word of God. If you're walking outside of the word of God, don't go around here and say, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, while you're in sin, because God doesn't bless sin. But what we used to call wrong, now we call it, Right, and what is right, we now call wrong. What we used to praise, now we don't praise no more. Now we praise the wrong thing. And somehow, as a people, Satan in his realm does condition us. We used to praise people who got married. Boy, we wanted to show up on that day in which they were going to take their vows. And it was just a joyful day, a day to be praising people and praising the couple who had made that choice. But today, who needs to get married? What are you getting married for? You'll go ahead and just shack up. You don't need no license. You don't need this. You don't need that. What used to be praised is now condemned and what is condemned used to be praised watch and see what you either condemn or what you praise and he goes on and he says blessed are those blessed are they who keep his statues, again, his words, his principles, his standards, repeating himself, but then he adds something else to it, and seek Him with all their heart. See, people who seek after God, they're going to be blessed. People who really desire God's will for their life, they're going to be blessed. People who will take time and ask, Lord, would you show me what you would have me to do? Would you, O oh God, give me the right people in my life? Would you, O oh God, open doors and close doors on my behalf? Would you, O oh God, build a foundation up under me that is sure that as I stand on principle and righteousness, I'm not shaken. When you ask God to intercede into your life, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. And he says when you seek him, when you keep his word and you seek him, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And what a joy it is to be blessed by God. Because he's telling you here how to be blessed. He's telling you. And then he goes on down a little further. He says, they do nothing wrong. I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand if you have done nothing wrong this week. We've had some wrong thoughts, haven't we? We said some wrong words. (laughs) We've done some wrong things, maybe, that we've had to say, Lord, forgive me. What's the difference between a person learning to obey the Holy Spirit and life slowly changing and life slowly turning? Than one who will not listen to the Holy Spirit or follow any instructions from the Word of God. What's the difference between those two people? The one you'll see a life where God is helping, helping them to take the steps, helping them to make the turn, helping them to come over the difficulties of life you see God intervening in their life and they're blessed because God's helping them. The other person, because of their stiff-neckedness and have no desire for God to instruct them or to lead them or intervene into their life, they're stuck in that misery day after day after day after day. They're just stuck there. It's like a car that is stuck without extra help of pushing or pulling. It will not move out of that rut. It'll just spin its tires. And in life sometimes that's all people are doing is spinning their tires. Going nowhere. Life doesn't improve for them. Life doesn't get better for them. And they don't understand it. He says, they do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. When you walk in the ways of God, you don't do wrong. When you walk in the ways of God, you won't do wrong. Now, here's another tidbit about why the church is important. Because the church is what's going to teach you what God says is wrong and teach you what God says what is right. But if you're void of church or if you're void of the scripture, you're not going to know right from wrong. You're just going to lean on whatever you believe is right and wrong. Many people are in prison because they thought they did the right thing but they did the wrong thing. And he says, they do nothing wrong, they walk. Walk is an intentional thing. You have to get up out of a chair. So the first action you have to do is pick yourself what? Pick yourself up. And then face whichever direction you're going to move. And then you have to do what? Step out. It's an intentional walk. Do you intentionally walk with the Lord? Do you plan every day to walk with the Lord? If you're not planning it, you won't do it. Remember that song we used to sing? Order my steps. <laughs> That's he really does have to do that. He has to order our steps. And for the righteous person, he has to hold you up. Because the world's going to try to knock you down. Because you're showing forth a righteousness that they say is not necessary for life. He moves on a little further. And he says, Oh that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Look at this. So he admits something. Oh that my ways were steadfast. I'm not always what? Steadfast. I'm not always doing that. But oh if my ways were And he says, in obeying your decrees. And then verse 6. Then I would not be put to what? Not, not, now. Today in our society, what has Satan taken away from us? Shame. You can go out here and you can do any type of sin and don't have any shame. It used to be that young people were shameful if they even hurt their name. Because they knew it was a reflection on who? The parents. Today, children have no shame about bringing shame to the family. We have no shame. And therefore, many Christians today have no shame in bringing shame to the Word of God or to God Himself. I'm just doing my thing. God understands me. I'm living life my way. God understands me. I'm just doing my thing. God understands me. God understands that you are disobedient. And many other people should understand that you are not living out the type of life that God would have you to live. I share that with my children, my grandchildren, and I just share it with people in general. You're not living the life God intended for you to live. Because there are certain things that God did not intend for us to do and then call it blessed. Go over to Psalms ninety four. Couple pages of Psalms ninety four. Because again that process that has to take place that condition that has to be there. So, in Psalms 94, verses 12 and 13, you don't have this underlined. It might be a good little area of time to underline this in here. He says, blessed is the man you discipline. Blessed is the person that you correct. Guess It is so hard for people to accept today? Corruption correction or discipline. Sometimes I watch children with their parents. It's hard for a child to take discipline from someone who loves them. You think that child would say, Boy, thanks mom, thanks dad, for correcting me and helping me. And somehow there rise up something on the inside that wants to stiffen up. You go to the daycare now and you try to, even with a two-year-old, see how stiff they get when you correct them. Satan has started with an early age. Don't have to be in the teens. He has started these kids off early, rebelling and rejecting any type of correction or instructions. And the scripture says, blessed is the man you discipline." Why? Because God now is teaching him how to do what is right. God's teaching him what is right. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. To learn that. And he, he goes on, and he says, the man you teach The man you what? Teach. The pride of men will not allow them to be taught. The pride of men will not allow them to be taught. Keep your finger here. Go with me to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. Because there's a question that is asked that men still ask today. And the question is simply this. What's in it for me? If I'm going to allow you to correct me, if I'm going to allow you to teach me, if I'm going to sit under your teaching The question I'm going to ask myself is simply this. Okay, what's in it for me? How much am I going to get out of it? This is Peter. It's in the parable of the rich young ruler. Go to verse 27. Remember, the rich young ruler, he missed it because he would not be corrected. He would not obey and do what Jesus asked him to do. And the disciples are there, and they're listening, they're hearing. And they even ask Jesus, if, if this man can't be saved, then who can be saved? And the only thing, Jesus comes back, is impossible with man. And that's all that Jesus is saying. Man can't save himself. It's something God has to do. And then Peter comes up, and Peter says this here then. Peter answered him. We have left everything to follow you. So there's a giving up. Every time you go to a classroom at Aquinu, you're giving up some free time. You could be doing something else, but it's beneficial for you to be in that classroom if you're going to get your what degree. Yes, you could be doing something else. I missed that as a young man. I had two scholarships offered to me for sports and B&W offered me a job and I took the job because it was money and sometimes my wife, she'll, she'll remind me if you would have went on to school, you wouldn't have went to Vietnam because I was soon drafted afterwards. and then later on in life I go to school How much further ahead may I have been if I would have went to school then? And he simply says, boy, we have left everything to follow you. And I catch the question, what then will there be for us? Or in other words, what's in it for me? Jesus, if I follow you, Jesus, if I obey you, Jesus, if I keep the instructions that you give, what's in it for me? That's man's basic answer. What's in it for them if they come to church? That's what's in it for a lot of people. What's in it for me if I come to church? I I guarantee you this. If at the end of the service if I was to stand at that door and give everybody who came a hundred dollar bill as they left and you went out and you shared that we wouldn't have enough seats next week. Because the question is what's in it for me? And they don't see the value. And this is why our young people miss it they don't see the value of education or learning. They want a good job. They want to make good money. But it takes preparation and opportunity to be successful. Sometimes opportunity comes, but preparation has not taken place. When you are prepared, you have to wait then for what? The opportunity. Success then is there. Go back to Psalm 94. Get into verse 13 with me. Because see, the correction comes by God's teaching, the church offers God's teaching. Teaching about your finances, teaching about your marriage, teaching about your children, teaching about your employment, teaching about everyday life. And he says, the man you teach from your law, from the word of God. Then 13, you grant him, now listen to what it grants. See, this is the blessing that oftentimes we miss. You grant him relief from days of what? Trouble. If you learn God's ways, if you learn God's principles, you learn God's standards, and you live them out, they just can't be head knowledge. They have to be something that's put into everyday practice. He says it will keep you from trouble. Now, somebody's going to say, I got trouble every day. You face trouble differently. You see trouble differently. And God relieves you of that trouble. Job said in Job 14 that man is born into trouble. A man who's born of a woman has troubles what? All his days. But here now, the scripture says God relieves you of the troubles if you walk In his ways. He relieves you of it. It's not that you're not going to have trouble. You don't have to carry it by yourself. And God guides you through it. He does that. He relieves us. Of our troubles. Go to Psalms 106. 106. We're getting closer to the end. Psalm 106, verses 3 through 5. Again, process, condition. Verses 3 through 5. Blessed are they who maintain justice, who constantly do what is right. Who what? Constantly do what is right. Blessed is the person who sometimes do what is right. Blessed is the person who might do what is right. Blessed is the person who constantly It becomes a way of what? A way of life. It becomes a way in which you live to do the right thing. To do right is always your first thought, not your second. Not your second. It's automatically something says, this is what you need to do and you do it. Because it's the right thing to do. One of the worst things that we have started with children is this. I know some of you are going to say, no, no, no. I should not reward you for doing right because that's what is expected of you anyhow. And when you get into life, there's no reward for doing right. But if you teach the children You do right, there's always a reward. The reward is an inward joy that you chose to do the right thing, although you may never get a monetary thing in your hands from somebody else for doing the right thing. God expects us to do what is right. As we learn his word, and as we live in righteousness, it's not so much that he gives us a reward, it's that it's the lifestyle we develop that becomes the blessing. Because we're living righteously, and not in a wrongful, willful, defiant way against God. Blessed are they who maintain justice or do what is right again. Who constantly do what is right. Remember. Now, catch what he's saying here. Remember me, O Lord. Look what the psalmist asked now. Remember me, O Lord, when you show what? Favor to your people. To who? Your people. Why not you read what is not being said? God doesn't show favor to those who are not what? His people. That doesn't mean he's not merciful to them. Because he allows it to rain on the just and what? Unjust. Unjust. He allows the just and the unjust to breathe the air that he provides. But his favor is on his people. That they might shine. Show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them. That I may enjoy the prosperity, that you might enjoy what? The prosperity of being what? One of God's people. The prosperity of being one of God's people, of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and inherit. And giving praise. Boy, how good. Proverbs 8, get ready to write a couple of tidbits down because they are so important here that they define life for us, in a sense. Proverbs eight thirty two through 36. Now, if you read the first part, it's talking about wisdom. But he personifies wisdom by making wisdom into a person. So he speaks of wisdom as an individual, as a person. But the wisdom is God's wisdom. The wisdom is God's wisdom. That we are to get God's wisdom. You gain God's wisdom through this. You get to know God through this. The more you're in this, the more you are dying to self and becoming alive to Jesus. And what I want you to see is that there's five things here that will change your life if you take them seriously. So in verse 32, he says, let me get these eyes, folks. Now then, my son, listen. Listen. Sometimes just do a study for yourself on the word listen through the Bible. Because God's people don't listen very well. Have you ever asked your child, are you hard of hearing? You didn't hear me? Remember God saying that to you too. He's saying it to me. And he says, listen. Listen. Now then, my son, listen to me. and Look at what follows. If you're listening. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen. Again, he, he, he says it. Listen to my instructions and be wise. Do not what? Ignore it. How many people today ignore God's word altogether? Especially men. And we wonder why women are more scholarly than men sometimes. And why they know more about the Bible than men. And men just need to step up and spend time in it. Men just need to step up and be willing to learn and to listen to God. But the man who says, I'm not going to church, is simply this. They're saying, God's not going to be over me. God's not going to rule my family. God's not going to rule me. God's not going to rule my children. And that's where the pride, where the humbling has to take place. It took me a long time to humble under God's hand. I didn't always walk with the Lord. I didn't always live for the Lord. Elaine and I, as I've told some of you, we was on our way to divorce court. But the thing is this here. God got hold of me through a couple of men. And begin to humble me. And as I begin to learn, I begin to understand more my position as being a husband, a father, a godly man. And that's me now surrendering to an authority that's above me. This here has to be something that goes like this with men. For women, the scripture says their hair is their glory. Men, this is our glory. The Word of God. Here. For everything wrong with our society, everything wrong in our homes, everything wrong with our children, everything wrong with our women fall at the feet of one person called man. Man is the one who brings more harm, more hurt into our world than anybody else. All because he will not submit under the authority of God. And he says, listen to my instructions and be wise. If you listen to the instructions of God, you'll be a wise man. If you listen to the instructions of God, you'll be a wise woman. If you listen to the instructions of God, you'll be a wise child. He says, listen to my instruction and be wise. And do not ignore it. And what do we mostly do today? We ignore it. Then in verse 34, he says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my door. He says, you're listening and you're watching. That doesn't mean that you're just sitting here, looking out, doing nothing. No, you're busy But you're watching for God's hand to move in your life. You're watching for God to do something in your life. You're watching for God to set you free in this area, in that area. You're watching for God to act for that you'll know where to move. And then he goes just a little bit further. For whoever... Finds me, finds life. Whoever finds God's wisdom, God's instructions, God's teaching, they find real life. They find life abundantly. They find the joy of life. They really find life. And he says, and receives favor from the Lord. I receive favors from the Lord. Blessings from the Lord. Now, put verse 36 to heart. But this is where the challenge comes in. Watch people. Watch people. And study people. See if God is blessing or cursing. See if they're hurting themselves or if God's protecting them and lifting them up. If God's advancing them or God's holding them still. Study people. If you really look at people and the lives of people, you'll see if God is really working in their lives. You'll see how much trouble they have. And you'll look and say, I'm blessed. (laughs) I'm blessed. Because that trouble could be who? Your trouble. But I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And he says, but whoever fails to find them harms himself. Does what? Harms himself. Now, we're so used to this blame game We always blame somebody else for my failures. We blame somebody else for our pain. We blame somebody else for our hurt. We blame somebody else for us not accomplishing or being successful. We blame it on the system. We blame it on the white man. We blame it on not having money. We blame it on this. We blame it on our parents. We blame it on this. And the scripture says this. You harm yourself. But whoever fails to find me, to find God's words, to find God's instruction, to find God's wisdom, you harm yourself. All who hate me loves death. And that's what you see in people's life. They hate God's instructions They hate being under the authority of God. They hate being led by the Holy Spirit. They hate being convicted of sin. They want to do their own thing. And he says what they find is death. Because they choose to walk away from God. To be blessed, these three things and we're gone. One, affirm it. You need... To seek affirmation, you need to seek affirmment. You need to seek evidence of your relationship with Jesus Christ that is authentic. When your relationship with Jesus Christ is authentic and real, I'm gonna give you a word that sometimes is misunderstood today. You have a testimony. And your testimony is about what God did on your behalf. Your testimony is what God is doing in your life. That's the affirmation of the relationship that you're in with him. Is your testimony. Nobody else could have did this. Nobody else could have intervened in such a way. Nobody else could have provided right at the right time with the exact amount. Nobody else. But God did it. It's an affirmation. It affirms He's involved in your life. And you should be able to see it. Now, that's the blessing. Secondly, it's your testimony that comes about, but your assurance. There should be an assurance that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. You don't question. You don't answer it. Doubt it. You know it. You know that you're saved. If a lot of people had to prove that they were saved by what scripture says, they would be straight shot to hell. Because there's nothing in their life where they're following scripture. There's no love for God. The mouth can say this, and the Lord says, Your heart is where at? Far from me. The only person you're deceiving is yourself. You're not deceiving God, because God in Timothy says, I know those that are mine. I know those that are mine. And if you are really his, he affirms it by how he interacts in your life. We're not going to go through the scriptures, but you can write them down, take a look at them at home. Then the last one, you're approved. You're approved. You're not going around trying to seek man's approval. When you have God's approval, you never need man's approval. See, that's one of the things that's a problem with us today, even in church life. Which one are you? A bishop? An apostle? An elder? A pastor? We confuse ourselves with all kinds of titles. When God approves you to preach, you just preach. When God approves you to witness, you just witness. When God approves you to do something, you just do it. When you are approved by God, you never have to look to be, in a sense, approved by man. Titles don't mean a thing. Going up to the gates of heaven saying, I'm Bishop so-and-so is not going to open that gate. And we get all stuck up on titles, all confused over titles. The best title that we can have is a servant of the Lord, is a servant of the Lord. And that you know that God approves of your life, and that he's given you the right to become his son or his daughter. And you know that, that He's given you that right to say, Abba Father. He's given you the right to come before His throne and ask anything because you've been approved as His child. And you know it, that you've been approved. Do you experience being valued? See, I know I'm valued. Because I know he shed his blood for who? For me. For me. I know he died for me. I know he arose for me. I know he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. I'm valued. You may not value me but I know the one who values me. Do you really enjoy the relationship that you have with him? Part of staying married is enjoying the relationship you're in with that person. Laughing with that person, crying with that person, doing things with that person. Enjoying yourself with that person. Do you cherish the relationship? Or do you feel cherished by God? Do you really feel loved by God? Do you really sense and feel him sometimes just wrapping you in his arms? See, you're the one who has to affirm You're the one that has to reassure you and you're the one that has to know that you've been approved and accepted as a child of God. And in all that, you can truly say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Because I understand I'm not worthy of it. I'm blessed. Father, We thank you and praise you, Lord, for ministering to us through your words. Would you help us, Lord, to become a people who desires your correction, that we desire your instructions, we desire your teaching in our lives, and that, Lord, we would be a people who want to walk in all of your ways, Not in just the ones that we accept, but in all of them, Lord, because we know that they're good for us. And Father, would you help us to be a people who shine, who shine for your glory, who live for you, O God. And that other people, Lord, not so much that we give testimony that we're blessed, but other people will be able to say, She's blessed. He's blessed by how they see each of us live. That they know is not from our own power, our own strength, but that it comes from you. That you have blessed us. That you have built a life that is far beyond what we ourselves could have ever built. would you do it Lord and we'll give you praise in Jesus name Amen